0: 18
1: plus Now Hunt Palmer Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge Holding down the middle of the day Live from the Mercedes Benz of Baton Rouge Studios This is Hunt Palmer
2: Hour 2 on a Wednesday at the work week in the rear view Mir, thanks for hanging out with us here on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge lot to get to in this hour. Pels on the hardwood tonight. Won't be the last time. I'll tell you my thoughts in the next segment. Chris DiMui always with us at 2.30 on Wednesday. So we'll chat with the former Tiger Southpaw and host of the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Baseball podcast coming up in 30 minutes. All right, let's do some SEC baseball power rankings. We don't do it every week, but I've just kind of found spots here and there as my thoughts have changed as we've gotten more data, more series in the rearview mirror. And I've kind of got some thoughts. I feel like, um, I feel like I've got a better handle on the league as a whole than maybe I have since I covered LSU day to day back uh, in 2011, 12, 13. Um, I, you know, I've I've missed a little bit on some. I, South Carolina really impressed me last week. Uh, I'll I'll admit that the the ambush schemes for some homers early and their ability to to pitch. I I thought they were they were pretty good and LSU I think was fortunate. And earned every bit of it. But was fortunate that Dugoff put that grand slam swing on it in the eighth. Or else you're looking at a, a 2 nothing series deficit before they get to game three. So I think I underestimated South Carolina a little bit. Um, but I feel pretty good about where I am 1-14 to 14 here. So we'll start at the bottom at 14. Who I think the worst team in the league is. And right now, I think the worst team in the league is Georgia. Um, they are 12th in the SEC in ERA. They are 13th in the SEC in on-base percentage. Um, I don't like their staff from a a starting perspective. They don't get on base. They're 13th in the league and on base. I mean, they don't, there's no facet of the game that I find Georgia to be, to be above average at, quite frankly. And it's just, uh, it's a tough way to make a living if, if you're that. And it's, there's no reason for Georgia not to be good. You're in a talent rich state. You've got an unbelievable college town. And, and college experience to offer. I, I've loved my time in Athens. Whenever I've been there, obviously the football team is rocking and rolling. The brand is very strong. Georgia should not be the worst team in the SEC. But as I look at it right now, I I think they are. So I've got them down there at 14. I've got Mississippi State at 13. State their pitching woes have been well documented. They're 13th in the SEC in ERA, uh, of which they're 14th and are in in uh, in runs allowed. They've walked the most hitters in the Southeastern Conference, and they're last in fielding. When you you walk the most hitters in the league and you're the worst fielding team in the league, you just have no chance to get people out. They do hit a little bit. They're sixth in the league in slugging percentage. They're fifth in the league in on-base percentage. So they're top half in some categories offensively, but you look at them on the mound in terms of their defense— it's just atrocious. They did beat Bama in a in a weekend series last weekend, so they are three and nine, and they're not in the cellar. Um, Ole Miss is, but I, I think Mississippi State and Georgia are the worst two teams in the league. Number twelve here, I've got Auburn. Uh, they're four and eight in the league. We say well, they can hit, they hit a little bit. I mean, Irish is a real like Irish is a great hitter, but. They're 10th in the league in batting average. They're 10th in the league in slugging. They're 13th in the league in runs scored. You tell me if you think they can hit. None of those statistics would suggest they can. And oh, by the way, they're last in the league in ERA. They're last in the league in opponent batting average. Gonzalez goes down. He's supposed to kind of be their ace, even though he's a sinker slider guy. It's not dominating stuff. And they don't have a Burkhalter like they did at the end of the games last year who was key in them getting to Hall. They don't have Sonny Deshar like they did last year. Key and getting them to Omaha. I, I don't see anything that Auburn does super good. So I've got them at 13th. Um, hot start for Missouri. They were 3-0 in the league, swept Tennessee. Uh, since then, they're 1-8 in the league. So I've got them down there at number 11. They're, uh, they were, they're 12th in the league in home runs. They're 14th in runs scored. That's not great for the offense. 7th in the ERA. The good news for Missouri is that in their rearview mirror, is Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Those are, those are the teams they have played. So yes, their record is 4-8. and eight. It is not great. Um, but I don't think they're at the bottom of the league. I think they've played a really tough schedule, and after whatever happened with them against Tennessee, they've been bad. They're 1-8 in those three series. So number 10, uh, I've got Bama. Hot start, not been good since. They've lost all four weekends, two out of three, in SEC play. They lost last week in Tuscaloosa to Mississippi State. Not great. It can happen to anybody. Teams lose baseball series, but now we've played four of them. And if you go back to the last pre-conference series, which was Columbia, which they also lost, they've lost five weekends in a row. They had an injury to their starting pitching staff last weekend. You had Hess that had to miss a start. So we'll see if he can come back and if he's healthy. But it's not looking very good. They haven't won a series in over a month. So I've got Alabama at number 10. Now, Ole Miss has got the worst record in the league. They're 2-10, and ten. they're in 14th, dead last. I've got them ninth in my power rankings. I, I don't think they're the worst team in the league. They have the worst record in the league. What Ole Miss is, and you know this, you've been listening to me, you've been, like, they're two arms short. They're Hunter Elliott short, who's supposed to come back next week, and then they're a bullpen guy short. And At that point, they could put Darty back in his role, and they would be okay, but unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. LSU's probably an arm short or two arms short at this point, too. They don't get to just pick one up. You are what you are. But they're, they've played Vanderbilt, Florida, at A&M, and Arkansas. That's really difficult. They've still they've got winnable series coming. They still play Mississippi State. They still play Georgia. They still play Missouri. They still play Auburn. They still play Alabama. There are games to be won. Now, the math looks really tough for them because they're 2-10. If they've got to get to 13 wins, they've got to go 9 and. How many can they lose? Nine and seven. They They've got to go nine and seven the rest of the way. We'll see if they can pull that off. I have my doubts, um, but I think they're ninth. I've got A and M at eighth. A and M's offense is awful right now. They're fourth in the SEC in slugging percentage. They're twelfth in home runs. And their weekend rotation starts with a question mark in Detmer, who's been their Friday guy the whole season, and then they've been rotating the back two guys for four weeks now. Can't get it done. But the offense, which is supposed to carry him, you're supposed to have Boast be a star. You're supposed to have Lavalette come in as a freshman and be a star. They're not hitting. So you're 14th and slug. It's hard to score. They haven't scored enough, and that's why Texas A&M sits here right now at 5-7. and seven. They're far from done, and they can get hot, but I got them 8 we We'll see this weekend what Kentucky's got. I'm a skeptic. and We'll, we'll preview them tomorrow, but these are some numbers that will come up. Um, look, they played Mississippi State, Alabama, Missouri, and Georgia. Those are four of my bottom five outside of Auburn. They've played about as soft a schedule as you could possibly play in SEC play, and that's why you look up at Kentucky's 9-3. and three. They have allowed the fewest runs in the SEC. They've allowed the fewest home runs in the SEC. But they're not missing bats. They're 13th in strikeouts. So that, to me, sounds like you're facing weak hitting teams. You're not missing bats, but you're, you're getting outs. Pitching-wise, their numbers are impressive. They've allowed the fewest runs, as I mentioned. And then offensively, they don't slug. This is what we're going to talk about tomorrow. They don't slug at all. They're 13th in the league in slugging. They don't hit home runs. They don't have a lot of doubles. They run a lot. They steal a ton. But when you're third and on-base percentage in the league and you're 10th in runs, that doesn't... It tells me what you are. You're a single hitting team that tries to steal. Man, that's a hard way to make a living. That that's the old school way to play baseball. You you hit a single, you butt him over, and you try to single him in. Well, it's easier to walk and bash a double to score a run. Then you only got to hit the ball hard once. So Kentucky doesn't do that a lot. I'm skeptical. The staff numbers are great. We'll see what they do against this LSU lineup. I've got them at seven, even though they're nine and three in the league. I got Arkansas at six. Arkansas is eight and four. They don't have a glaring strength or a glaring weakness to me. And we saw them here. They're 6th in the league in batting average, 8th in slugging, 7th in on base. They're a middle-of-the-road offensive team just about every metric. They're 8th in home runs. And then you go to the pitching side, they're ninth in ERA. They're ninth in earned runs allowed. They're right in the middle of the pack between 5 and 9 in everything that they do. But Dave and Horn teams just kind of find a way to get it done. Found a way to beat Paul Skeets. Found a way to win 2 out of 3 against all Miss. Big one coming up with Tennessee this weekend, no question. Um, but eight and four, Arkansas is atop the, the conference. That's the most wins in the SEC West without a statistical massive strength or weakness. It's odd. Didn't think I would be doing this. Tennessee's fifth for me. Um, it's they've got the talent. The results don't back any of it up. They're five and seven, and they've lost series to Missouri, LSU, and Florida. I, I know Chase Dolaner is going to be a high draft pick. I know Chase Burns is going to be a high draft pick. Drew Beam's actually been very good most of the time, but they're not getting anybody out. I, what do you want me to do? They're not getting anybody out, so I I can't. I thought Tennessee when they came in here was the second best team in the league. I don't think that anymore. I've got them at fifth. South Carolina moves up to fourth. I was impressed with Will Sanders' stuff on Thursday before the rain came, uh, and their lineup's legit. Petri's got 17 homers. Aaron Fitt in the last hour compared him to Chris Bryant. He's awesome. Cassis has 15 homers. They lead the SEC in walks, and they hit a ton of home runs. That's a good way to score a lot. And I think South Carolina is good. I've got them fourth. Vanderbilt, I've got third. They're 11-1 in the league. That's the tops, but I got them third. Carter Holton is an ace. And then Futrell, who they pitch in game threes, this is the difference. This is what my favorite attribute about Vanderbilt is. Devin Futrell, in the three-hole for them, has started four SEC games. He's thrown 25 innings, given up five earned runs in 25 innings, 17, walk, 17 strikeouts, one walk. That's their third starter. They've got a great rotation going right now. Is it more talented than Florida's? Probably not. Is it more talented than Tennessee's? No. Is it more efficient and productive right now? Yes. Plus, they got Bradfield at the top of the order, who's a nightmare. Um, look, they played Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Missouri. That's a bad run. So maybe they're not quite as good as that 11-1 and one would indicate, but they're good. Second best team in the SEC. I got LSU. I'm worried about the pitching. Told you about it Monday. What do I have after skeins? I don't know. What do I have in the bullpen? I don't know. I can give you the options, but... Right now, it's an incredibly awesome lineup. It's the best ace in college baseball, and that recipe alone can get you to Omaha. And, and you can win the whole thing like that. This is not meant as, a, as, as me suggesting that LSU has lowered its ceiling and is now no longer a championship threat. No. They're a threat to win the league. They're a threat to win every weekend. They're a threat to win the national championship still today. Absolutely. Am I concerned about the pitching? I am. Both of those things could be true which puts Florida at the top spot for me. They lead the league in slugging percentage. They, they're second in runs. They've struck out the second most batters. That tells you the talent that they've got in that bullpen and in that starting rotation. And they're 9-3 and three right now in the league, and they got Georgia this week, who I've got last. I think they're going to be 12-3 and three through 15. I think LSU's great. I think LSU's going to beat Kentucky this weekend. I think Florida's the best team in the league right now. Those are my thoughts. So from 14-1 to one in the SEC, Georgia, last place, 14th. Then I got Mississippi State, Auburn, and Missouri, 13-12-11. Number 10, I got Bama, 9, Ole Miss, A&M's at 8, Kentucky 7th, Arkansas sixth, Tennessee 5, South Carolina, the fourth best team in the SEC, Vanderbilt at 3, LSU at 2, and Florida at number 1. Those are my SEC power rankings. We'll get to Moody's thoughts on some of that coming up in 15 minutes. When we come back. Pels, tonight, is this going to be the last one? We'll talk about it. on Palmer Show.
1: On Palmer on 104.5 ESPN, Baton Rouge. The NBA playoffs
2: are here, and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash 104.5 ESPN right now and place a $5 bet, and you'll get an instant $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. they got great promotions every day during the NBA playoffs. This app is safe, secure, it's super easy to use, and the best part, about FanDuel, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. So just go to FanDuel.com slash 1045ESPN and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and present in Louisiana. Bonus issues, knowledge, drop a bonus bet that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. If you're assuming that has a gaming problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
1: listening to Hunt Palmer on 1045 ESPN Baton Rouge.
2: Pelicans and Thunder tonight 8:30 from the blender it'll be on ESPN. Thunder and Pelicans win or go home in the play in tonight. Look, this is, you know, what you what you play for all year. Um it's time to to put up or shut up. And I while we were on the air yesterday we got the quote from Zion that said, Physically, I'm fine. I just got to feel like Zion. And I honestly couldn't believe it when I read it. I could not believe a professional athlete would say that, especially in the playoffs, not in November. This is the first week of the season, and you're just not quite sure. Well, I don't love it, but okay. This is the playoffs. You are the franchise. This thing was built around you. And you're healthy enough to play? And not only are you healthy enough to play and not playing, which is a huge problem, you are compounding the problem by walking out to the media with microphones everywhere and saying that you are healthy enough to play and don't want to play. This seems impossible to me. And we'll see how big this story gets and what the reaction is to it. Because now Skip Bayless has kicked the anthill as he's prone to do, and take it for what it's worth, it's Skip Bayless, who I believe has made up 96% of his talking points for the better part of two decades and gotten filthy rich doing it. LeBron's one of the greatest players ever. I think LeBron chokes. Everyone hates the Spurs. I love the Spurs. Everyone hates the Cowboys. I I love the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest player ever. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that good. What's wrong
0: with Love the Cowboys, Hunt?
2: Nothing's wrong with Love the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Skip Bayless just does it because everyone hates the Cowboys. And so he can have a, ho- a co-host cultivated in Stephen A. Smith, and then magically Stephen A. Smith was no longer his co-host, and Shannon Sharp showed up, and Shannon Sharp hates the Cowboys. Amazing how that works. The entire show is concocted out of nothing, and that's the way that they choose to do things and people watch it, whatever. But I'm just trying to tell you that's the source of that we're getting this information from. But Skip Bayless says that the Pelicans have cleared Zion to play. He won't play. His stepfather is becoming a distraction because the stepfather's not happy with the fact that there's a clause in Zion's contract that says they can weigh him daily. All this stuff, I don't know what's going to come of this story, but it's becoming a far bigger deal than the play-in game. I've got friends that are big Pelicans fans. They talk way more about Zion Williamson not playing than they do about the Thunder. Three of them have the Thunder on the money line tonight which, by the way, if you're into that type of thing and want to log on to FanDuel, you've got a chance to catch a middle here. If you bet the Thunder plus the five and a half and you're a Pelicans fan and the Pels win by two, three, four, one, five, you get the win, you move on, and you cash the ticket. So if you're into that type of thing, I think that would be a wise play. But this Zion story is really hard to fathom. So he's not going to play tonight, so we can move on to the game against the Thunder. And the Pels are five-and-a-half-point favorites, like I mentioned, and they should win the game. But it should be noted, as I was listening to this morning when um, the guys had Jake Madison on, and keep in mind, last year when they played in this game, you were playing a Spurs team that was 12 games worse than this Thunder team. This was a pretty easy game for the Pelicans to win last year. It's not the case now. The Thunder can play. Now, they're really young. They're really inexperienced. But it's kind of you know interesting to me that, that Shea Gilgis Alexander has become what he has become because in college, he was nowhere near this impact of player. He's now taking the thunder and carrying them basically by himself. So the question is, can Herb slow him down? Can Herb hold him to 23? Can Herb hold him to 30, but it takes him... 32 shots. If that happens, you don't see a path really clear for the Thunder. He's going to have to be really good for the Thunder. I think for the Pels, a key in this game is going to be, at some point, Murphy and McCollum are going to have to hit some long-range shots. They're going to have to open the floor up so that B.I. can do his work. If you don't have to respect C.J. because he's 0 of 7 and his hand's hurting and they got to have surgery on it, but he's out there, you don't have to respect him as much. If Murphy starts 0 of 5, you just you can't affect the defense the way that you want to shooting the basketball. It's so important. Interestingly, the two guys who are going to be commanding the basketball the most in this game in Gildas Alexander and Ingram are elite scorers in the NBA who don't rely on the three, which is rare. Most guys who score at this clip shoot a lot of threes. They don't. The Pels should win tonight. The organization should be in a place to beat the Thunder in a game you've got to win at home. It should be. Anything can happen. You can get a flamethrower from the sixth man who goes for 29 and all of a sudden, you know, you're on your heels. Building gets tense and nervous. But... Again, I just keep circling back. And it's like the story should be the Thunder and Pelicans, but it, it now revolves around Zion. And this feels like it's going to be a circus moving forward into the offseason. Because half the time he doesn't talk, and then he does talk, and it sounds ridiculous. All the while, the Pelicans don't talk. They give vague updates. They don't tell you when he's coming back or what the severity of the injury is or what the setback was. And it's not as if they're any, under any obligation to do so with him. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't say anything and you continue to put these vague things out there, it creates the storm. And now you got Skip Bayless going nuts. So none of that will matter when they tip it tonight. I think the Pels win the game. I think they're better than the Thunder. I think they're at home. I think they win it. I think the smart play here is to bet the Thunder plus the five and a half and hope you catch a middle. Just my two cents on the matter. Tonight, uh, tip-off 8.30 on ESPN. Pelicans lose this game. I I have no issue calling this year an absolute failure and a waste of a season with the nucleus that you signed up for. The nucleus that you signed up for
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Had
2: this year ready to roll coming off a playoff year, you've backed up. You lose this game. No two ways about it. So hopefully they go take care of business and move on. Got a lot of work to do tonight against the Thunder inside the blender. All right, we'll uh, take a time out. Come back. Chris DeMuey is going to join us. DeMuey, he of the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Baseball Podcast, former Tiger left-hander, and national championship in his normal Wednesday spot next.
1: Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.
2: LWCC is Louisiana loyal, elevating and celebrating champions of Louisiana. In April, we are pumped up to tell you about Dr. Robert Jackson. Dr. Jackson's connection to his North Louisiana community, shout out North Louisiana, inspired him to dedicate his career to improving health care for the most vulnerable neighbors. He founded the MLK Health Center and Pharmacy in Shreveport, Northwest, uh, <laughs> Northwest Louisiana's oldest free clinic and pharmacy. The clinic provides over $16 million in services annually to over 1,700 patients. That is a wonderful, wonderful vocation for Dr. Robert Jackson. That's what makes him a champion of Louisiana. If you know a champion of Louisiana, we invite you to go to lwcc.com slash champions and nominate a champion of Louisiana so that we can tell their story like Doctor Robert Jackson. Doctor Robert Jackson, April's champion of Louisiana, presented by LWCC.
1: This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.
2: 60 feet, six inches. That's far, far it is from the rubber to home plate. It's actually the name of the LSU baseball podcast hosted by our next guest. Chris Demouy. joins us on the Jim's Firearms Hotline. Mr. Demouy. how are you? Doing good, Hunt. How are you doing, buddy? Doing very well. South Carolina impressed you over the weekend?
3: Yeah, they did. And I heard you, uh, as I was driving in from Lafayette, I heard you talk about uh, Petri a little bit and that guy, Man, that guy's a real deal for a freshman. And, um, I mean, I think he's probably well way to being the national freshman of the year. But, uh, yeah, I was impressed, I think, a little more than I thought initially doing some of the uh, research on before I did the podcast. But uh, I think they're the real deal. You know, they got some arms down there, and they can definitely swing it.
2: Yeah, it was impressive. And then for LSU, how impressive was the response on, uh, on Friday night to get that Grand Slam and get that win?
3: I think it was massive. You know, I think it was a, a case of uh, – LSU really didn't play well, in my opinion, all weekend, but in the end, they get the split, and they get the all-important victory, because uh, obviously the rain washed away game three, but the ability to come back, you know, and do that massive bomb, but then just to take the lead in the last inning, capitalizing off the momentum they built the inning before, and Cruz is, it sounds weird to say this, but I think Cruz is struggling just a little bit. You know, he's hitting 480, and for me to say he's struggling is kind of blasphemy, but he draws that walk, right, 3-2 walk, and, um, you know, then he eventually comes around to score and Beloso drives, and, man, that just shows how, the kind of the grit of this team and their ability to come back when uh, everything looks like it's uh, not going their way.
2: I'm surprised you should see Gavin Gidry out there in a one-run game.
3: Very, but I tell you what, that <laughs> <laughs> freshman delivered, and I love the emotion that he showed. And, um, yeah, there was some jawing back and forth between the teams, you know, and uh, they pimped some home runs on um, Thursday night, and then Guidry kind of gave it to him, and I'm fine with that. But just, you know, you see him and Herring and Shores and Neal and all these freshmen and Kling and Jones, their mentality to produce at such a high level is the most impressive thing, right? They have the talent. But mentally, to, for him to be able to close that game down when you're staring down the barrel of uh, potentially you know, losing the first two games of that series, that's the most impressive thing to me. And obviously, it looks like he's going to be called upon more as we get deeper into SEC play.
2: He's throwing 3-1, three, 3-2 three, sliders frequently. It seemed like he had a better command of the slider than the fastball. Is this something that teams are going to going to be able to look at on tape now? There's a little bit more out there on Gidry, and he's going to have to go to the fastball a little bit more? Or do you think the slider's just that good a pitch?
3: No, I think you're right. I think I think he's going to have to feature some more fastballs. I'm sure Wes Johnson will adjust to that. And, um, you know, he, he does a good job of being able to get it below the zone when he needs to. And then you saw, like, on that last punch out of the nine 2 slider or, or four-strike that the guy swung through. So that just shows how good of a pitch it is. But, you know, you saw Beach come in for South Carolina, and I swear yes. that kid threw nine, 90% changeups. So yep. I was, like, yelling at the TV. And uh, it's amazing. So. That just shows That just goes to show you that, I guess, you know, if that one pitch is good enough, then he can throw it enough. But I would imagine he still throws 92, 93, and probably 94. So his fastball plays. And um, I would, I would depending on the situation, you probably have to see him go to that a little more. But his slider is devastating, you know?
2: Who do you think LSU's three-weekend starters will be this weekend against Kentucky?
3: <laughs> <laughs> look at you. Uh, <laughs> <skiing>. <laughs> um, I'm going to go – man, well, I'm going to go – Skeens, Herring, and Little, although I don't think that's going to – that's what I would do, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be Skeens, Floyd, and Little. What do you think about Floyd at this point? I wouldn't mind seeing them um, take a little pressure off of him. You know, he just looks frustrated with himself. You can see him on the mound. He just doesn't understand sometimes, like, why – not why this is happening, but he just gets frustrated with himself because he knows he has great stuff, and he showed that again – even through his struggles, you know, I think he gave up one hit uh, in those three innings, and he's striking out guys with 3-2 change-ups, which he wouldn't have done last year, obviously. So he's developed. It's just a fastball command that's lacking. And I think if you're going to give Griffin Herring, who would be my choice to start on Saturday and have Floyd back him up, if you're going to make that change, now is a great time because, one, Herring can start at home. Kentucky has a very different lineup. It's not Arkansas or Tennessee or South Carolina. And, um, you know, he gets to sleep in his own bed. He knows what the bullpen mound feels like. He knows what the game mound feels like. And then uh, maybe that takes some of the pressure off of him. And then Floyd's right there to back him up if he gets in any trouble. And obviously Floyd can extend, you know, five, six innings.
2: I'm all for that. I want to see Herring in the rotation sooner rather than later. We'll see if it is this weekend. But let's go back to Floyd. He's out there pitching against South Carolina, and he can't throw a fastball for a strike. And what does that feel like as a pitcher? I'm sure that happened to you at some point in your career.
3: Oh, yeah, it definitely happened to me. Not only – Definitely LSU, but then more so after I left LSU. And it's, 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 uh, I don't really know how to give a good comparison to the audience for other sports, but it's frustrating. You know, it's one thing if you're throwing balls to the backstop or you're just missing, throwing balls in the other batter's box. But when you're missing, you know, two inches to the left or the right or two inches up or you're just, you're almost in your mind begging the umpire to give you a call to get you back on track or you want, you know, it's 3-1, and you need them to hit a line drive, double play, or just to smoke a ball that Cruz lays out on just something to where you can get some grain of confidence back. And it's, it's frustrating because he knows how to throw strikes, obviously. And it's like you see glimpses, and all of a sudden, mechanically, he falls out of it, right? Then he throws a great changeup or two great changeups, and all of a sudden, it's two fastballs for a ball. So... um He's kind of his own worst enemy right now and he showed that in that really in the first inning where he almost got out of it but those two hit by pitches just kind of killed it right there for him
2: where's your concern level with the depth of his lsu staff now that shores and edwards are down
3: it's high yeah and it's uh nothing that they've done on their own really it's just when you lose guys like that that are coming on ackenhausen is a huge piece that me and you've talked about we both love nate and he's just hurt right now so that it's uh, more pressure on these freshmen, you know, with Goodreads and Herring and you're starting to see Cooper, in my opinion, starting to see Cooper and Collins kind of return to last year's form. And they're stacking uh, good outings on top of good outings, but it's, you know, the inconsistencies in the um, game two and game three starters. I mentioned this on, on one of my podcasts. I hate to even mention, say this, but it almost feels like it's getting back to 2022 where you have to lean on that pin so much because the starters haven't been able to provide you with the minis and, you mentioned Futrell 15 minutes ago to have that guy who could be an ace, but he's your number three, and look what he's given you from a Vanderbilt perspective. is just amazing, and it's, um, it's 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 concerning, but some guys are starting to step up, you know, and you just hope they continue to do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just um, we thought this team had like seven options for a weekend starter, and you look up, mm-hmm. and there's one proven commodity. I mean, I, you know, Floyd's been fine, yeah. but not he's been very average.
3: No, I, I agree, and it's – um you're waiting for Heard and Little to kind of turn the corner because those guys can both be starters. Obviously, Herring can be a starter, but you know you take Grant Taylor out the mix, and then Shores—he was kind of showing his uh, what he could do in the bullpen, and he could even potentially be a starter back in the SEC the way he was going. So it's it's just frustrating, and I can't imagine what the coaching staff is feeling. But you know they don't have time to um, kind of nobody's going to nobody's going to uh, feel bad for LSU. At this just playing the season, you know, so it's going to figure it out.
2: You know Kentucky likes to run. Do you expect to see more Malaza this weekend because Neil scuffled a little bit offensively and Alex has swung it okay?
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what I mentioned on the uh, previous podcast with Kentucky. You know they like just like you said, it's a different lineup than LSU's seen all year, right? They uh, lead the conference in stolen bases. I think they're fifth in the country in sack bunts, so obviously that's going to lead the conference in sack bunts. And they they don't hit a lot of home runs. They're last. In the F- home runs i think they've only hit 22 as a team so having that veteran presence behind the plate i think uh would make me feel better per se just in terms of what kentucky's going to throw at them but like you said neil is Neil scuffling like nothing against the young man he's a great player and everybody's talked about um how good of a hitter he is and what he's done with that uh pitching staff but i think you know i did some ransom numbers i think he's hitting um one fifty-six in SEC play. And now it's where he's second on the team in strikeouts and his strikeouts have eclipsed his walks. So uh, he's just scuffling in SEC play, albeit against the best teams they're going to face on their schedule. But they want to take a little pressure off of him and give him the game three-star and let Malazzo see what he can do for game one and two.
2: So the, the question I would have with that is, do you think the pitchers care? They've been pitching. They've been throwing to Neal for seven weeks, and then all of a sudden you throw a different guy back there. I know he's a proven veteran, but... As far as receiving goes, does that alter Skeens or Floyd or any of the guys you're going to count on out of the pen?
0: 18-plus.
3: No, I don't think it should matter to those guys one bit because both those guys are going to catch them in the bullpen, right? So yeah. it's just, when I would go down, when we throw bullpens, you know, it's just, it was, you know, you got Cressy or you got Hortner, or you got Tim Lanier or you got somebody down there, Clint Earnhardt. It didn't really matter who caught you in the bullpen. Then so when you go out there, you know that those guys are out there for a reason, right? They're playing for LSU for a reason. So really, those guys may have a preference mentally, you know, but I don't think it's going to affect them one way or the other how they approach or how they throw certain pitches.
2: Tommy White all of a sudden misses a week, and now he's leading the country in RBIs, sitting right there behind Dylan Cruz and, and smoking balls all over the place. Uh, how much is he going to make teams think about how they approach Dylan Cruz as we move forward?
3: I think it's massive. You know, I think when you book in Cruz with Morgan and White, you can't really, as a pitcher, you're like, you can't take a breath, you know, because it's quote unquote pitch around Cruz. You're very careful with him. The first thing about White, I've, I've noticed this last Sunday he's Cooling, right? He takes an absolutely horrible swing at first, completely full And then on the two-strike pitch, he hits the ball off the wall. Yeah. So um, you know he spreads out, he gets low, he looks Jeff Bagwell-esque up there, and he just uses his hands. And he just he does not mind going opposite field. I obviously, we've seen the power from him, but it's scary knowing that um, you may you may dodge a bullet with Cruz, but then you have a guy who uh, hit 27 home runs last year as a freshman, and, um, who really doesn't strike out a lot, and who can run run out the park. It, doesn't make you feel any better as a pitcher knowing you're going from the stretch now and having to face this guy so it's uh having him back up cruise is massive for this team
2: what's more likely this weekend kentucky kind of proves itself as one of the best teams in the league by getting bunts down stealing bases scrapping them way around and winning a couple of games or they get exposed for having a weak schedule and lsu sweeps them off the field
3: i think lsu sweeps buddy i called it on the podcast yeah. i think lsu it's it's one of those things to where people may not agree with me and i'm not sure i uh, you know, but I think they scuffled in South Carolina, and just, they weren't—they didn't play great. But for you to say you didn't play your best baseball and you still go on the road and, and get a split from a top-six team in the country, I think the coaching staff will take that heading home. And then they blast Tulane last night, who's not great, but they took a little while. I think they pounded out like 20 hits. And I think, um, you know, Skeens is, is mad about the way he finished uh, that outing. And I think he would have dominated South Carolina, but he didn't like the fact that you know the light kind of killed his outing and leaves a bad taste in his mouth. And I think LSU's got a little something to prove. If you can say the number one team in the country has that, but I think um, Kentucky's going to put up a fight. But I have a feeling LSU just starts to click this weekend on all cylinders, and they send a message to the rest of the country like, "Hey, we're still here." And, uh, maybe scuffling in some aspects, but uh, we're still really, really good.
2: I would like that very much. We shall see Chris Demui, host of the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Baseball Podcast, with us every Wednesday at 2.30. Thanks, Chris. We'll do it next week. Thanks, Hunt. Appreciate it, man. He is Chris Demui. We'll take a timeout, take it or leave it, and we'll be done here on a Wednesday Hunt Palmer Show.
1: Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN, Baton Rouge.
2: One Bath and Closets, the website is onebathandclosets.com. Check out the website. It's got all the testimonials there that talk about David Duvall and his crew. They show up on time. They give you the plan. They complete their work on time. It's gorgeous. And they don't come back. They do it the first, right, right the first time and leave the competition behind. You can also request a free consultation. You don't know what they could do with your bathroom or your closet until you bring them in there and let them show you what they can do. They could put your dream bathroom in your home could be a full-scale remodel or just a tub-to-shower conversion that changes the functionality and the aesthetic of your bathroom. Maybe it's your closet that just doesn't fit your wardrobe and your lifestyle. They can fix that. Maybe ripping out the entire closet and building you a brand new one. They just be using your space more efficiently. They can help you out. If you tell them the Hunt Palmer Show sent you over there to One Bath and Closets, they're not going to charge you to rip out the current closet. They're not going to charge you for the labor to install the new one. They're just going to charge you for the cost of the unit. That's what they're going to do for you, for our listeners here at the Hunt Palmer Show. One Bath and Closets. Check out the website, onebathandclosets.com.
1: Listening to Hunt Palmer on 1045 ESPN Baton Rouge.
2: 1045 ESPN Baton Rouge and the Baton Rouge Clinic bring you the Dreams Come True Radiothon. Dreams Come True is an organization designed to help grant dreams for children with life threatening illnesses and their families. Dreams Come True Radiothon presented today by Service Chevrolet and the law offices of OC Brown. You can donate today at 1045 ESPN. Let me tell you what happens if you go to 1045ESPN.com and donate today. Don't do it for another 11 minutes. But every $5 donation today gets an entry into our raffle. Raffle items are an Aaron and Austin Nola autographed bat, ball, and picture. Justin Jefferson autographed LSU helmet. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase framed wall print. We also have three days and two nights at the CMA Music Festival in Nashville coming up in June. Got a concert ticket package to see Thomas Rhett, Shinedown, Zach Bryan, Depeche Mode, Guns N' Roses, Hardy. All that if you donate as little as $5 to Dreams Come True. And 10 minutes from right now, today only, for one hour only, from 3 to 4, first hour of Matt's show, everyone who makes a donation of at least $5 at 1045ESPN.com to the Dreams Come True Foundation gets a $25 Pluckers gift card. We've got them downstairs. Donate five bucks, you get $25 in Pluckers cards. 20 bucks free. As little as $5. No donation is too small. No donation is too big. We're doing everything we can here at Guarantee to make dreams come true for these kids fighting these these tough, tough battles. And it's just such a great cause for us to be associated with. So if you have the means and could be um, gracious enough to give us uh, and Dreams Come True, a donation will help you out here for the next hour with $25 at Pluckers. Appreciate Stevie leaving the guys over at Pluckers for making that happen. All right, Taylor Sharp, take it or leave it.
0: Yeah, let's knock it out. So Shaquille O'Neal recently said on a podcast that Angel Reese is the best athlete to ever step foot on LSU's campus, regardless of sport. Best athlete in LSU history, take it or leave it.
2: I'm going to leave that one. Angel Reese is a heck of a player. Um, I'm not quite sure she's reached the levels of Maravich or, or Shaq or Burrow or some of those guys. She's great. She's a national champion, and um, you know she could go out there and win National Player of the Year next year, and that would be fantastic. But right now, I'm going to stop a little bit short of that. Zion
0: Williamson recently announced that he feels fine physically, but won't return to the court until he feels like Zion. Zion doesn't want to be in New Orleans, take it or leave it.
2: I'll leave it. I, I don't think that I'm not going to go that far. It would be easy for me to do that. You can start connecting dots, and I could make that, I, I, unless I know that or he says something like that. Kyrie just lets you know. You know, you're looking at, at Devin White letting you know. I, I don't. I don't think we're there. I just think he's. There's something mental going on there that's not what you need in a team leader and a championship player. Right now, I can't go that far. I just, I don't, but I don't know that he wants out of town. There's a max contract waiting on him, so, and we'll see.
0: To combat shorter game time, even though I already think it's plenty long enough, uh, major league clubs like the Rangers, Brewers, Diamondbacks, and Twins have extended their ballpark beer sales all the way through the end of the eighth inning. Beer all game, take it or leave it. Take it
2: i'll take it take it all day gotta check the dodger stadium beer rules before i go in there on saturday night but yeah i mean i'm all for it i understand the drinking and driving deal you want to cut people off i i understand why they do it all but i would just rather have the freedom to get a beer in the eighth or ninth inning if i would like to do that and you know that's that's the way i feel about it so i'm all for those teams doing it get after it
0: so that's like a league-wide rule of seventh inning
2: i guess i mean that's just the way it's generally been done
0: I guess it makes sense but like if you're at a restaurant they don't say oh you can only have your beer before your food we you right. can't order one right before. i agree
2: however i would suggest that people tend to imbibe a little bit more carelessly at sporting events no, than I, maybe I it, at, sure. at a sit-down dinner
0: the yankees bat boy from last night he had shoulder-length hair and a mustache he's got to cut all that because it's the yankee way take it or leave it
2: we got a picture that don't we um Look, the Yankees bat boy last night, the picture of the Taylors putting up, had shoulder-length hair and a mustache. Obviously, if you play for the Yankees, you got to cut your hair and you got to shave your mustache. And so the play-by-play guy from the Yankees said, this guy needs to cut his hair and his mustache. If you're going to wear the Yankee uniform, you need to look a certain way. That's the way the Yankees have done it for 100 years. I think that's stupid. The Giants have 80-year-old ball men who fall down trying to field a ground ball over there. It's fine. I don't think the ball people, whether it's woman, man, whatever, they don't need to necessarily adhere to the uniform restrictions that the teams may. They're out there to catch ground balls, maybe grab a bat here or there. And like I said, the Giants are 100 years old. So uh, I think it's going to be just fine for the Yankees if their ball boy has shoulder-length hair and a mustache. If If that's the look he wants to rock, as the great Joe Madden once told the Cubs about what they're supposed to wear on their road trips, if you think it makes you look hot, you wear it. If that guy thinks he's looking hot with the mustache and the, the shoulder-length hair, get after it, boss. Go go, grab a bat. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it for taking It or Leave It here on this Wednesday. Remember, Dreams Come True Radiothon from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Every single $5 donation at 1045ESPN.com is going to come with a $25 Pluckers gift card. So donate over the next hour, and we will hook you up with some Pluckers bucks, which is, is awesome, admittedly. That's going to do it for us here. Um, Today's show, you can catch on demand, 104.5 ESPN.com's On Demand tab. Uh, We open things up with uh, LSU and Tulane reaction. Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball breaking down uh, college baseball. Spent a lot of time on the SEC, but also talks a little bit nationally. Hit our What If Wednesday. Um, that was at 1.30. New portal name to watch for LSU basketball. It's what we touched on at the end of hour number one. I gave you my SEC power rankings at the top of hour number two, straight up 2 o'clock. I had the Tigers at number two in that one. I think the Gators maybe just a little bit more complete from a pitching standpoint, but we shall see. Give you my thoughts on the Pels at 2.15 and Chris Demouy in his normal spot on Wednesdays at 2.30. See if the Pels can get it done. I like them tonight. We'll see if they can uh, do it. We'll be reacting to it on tomorrow's show. Jimmy Hott's game time tonight from 6 to 8. Matt Moscona is about to drive you home on After Further Review. Back same time, same place tomorrow. It's 1 to 3 every single weekday right here on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.